wages. The Long Island Railroad just passed by. I thought I was going to have to introduce the Long Island Railroad before I got to introduce myself and Rob. Well, now I just talked about it anyway. What's the difference? It's your boy from the top of my house, just below the roof, above the second floor. That's right. I'm in my attic. Every single Friday morning, Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector, brings to you another leader of a nonprofit organization. 33 episodes into this thing, man, you know, this was something I talked about. I said, I, I want to have a show where I just bring on executive leaders of nonprofits to help them tell their story and amplify their message. The challenge was I went around for two and a half years and told people I was going to do it and didn't do it. So here's what I have for you guys. Get out of your own way. Get out of your comfort zone. If you want to do something, go and do it. A little bit from the attic with Tommy D. Here's the deal. Nonprofits change our world. Every second of every minute of every hour of every day, pa 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 Making an impact. That's what it's about. Here's the challenge for me, though, man. I don't think these nonprofits get their due. I, don't, I think they're overlooked. We know often underfunded and unrecognized. I only have so many Fridays in the month and in the year. So maybe we have to do the show more often. We'll talk to Sam Leibowitz here at talkradio.nyc. Maybe I do the show daily. That's a, that's a hint to the universe. Why? Because I was talking to, to last week. I had, um, I had my friend Lee Silberman on the show from Habitat for Humanity of Suffolk County. And he told me that Suffolk County gang has 9,700 nonprofit organizations, a lot of organizations making an impact. I don't have 9,700 Fridays I, I, to, to do the show. So we got to figure out some different things. Overlooked, underfunded, unrecognized. My answer to that is a little show called Philanthropy and Focus. I grew up in the 80s and 90s. We used to say fat, P-H-A-T. So focus on this show. It's spelled P-H-O-C-U-S. So if you're trying to track me down, Tommy D at Philanthropy and Focus, P-H-O-C-U-S.com. On Facebook, you found me on the, uh, check this out, man. I'm on Instagram. I'm on TikTok. I'm doing a little dance on the TikTok for you, Tommy D.NYC. Look, the show's not about me, but I'm utilizing this little presence that I have here to amplify the message for organization. I got to tell you, every single week I'm jazzed about this show. I look forward to it. As soon as the show ends, I look forward to the following week. One of my favorite things to do. I don't hem and haw so much about this program as I did this week. Um, I, I'm, I'm privileged. I'm honored to connect with Rob Sarver this morning. It's not going to be a lot of Tommy D talking. I really want to hear Rob. I want to hear his story. We're going to talk to Rob. We're going to learn about the Ray Pfeiffer Foundation. Okay. We're coming up on 20 years here, guys. I, it, it's incredible that it was 20 years ago. Um, Rob and I are, are contemporaries. I, I was looking at Rob's background. He graduated high school in 97. I graduated 96. So right around the same age. Um, I, I, I have friends. I have family members who are New York City firemen. I have friends and family members who, who were cops. And um, I, I, we're all we were all touched by that day. We're not going to spend a lot of time talking about uh, the day of September 11, 2001. Uh, we're really going to talk about what is needed by the, the people that this organization serves. So I'm going to read a little background. First, Rob, before I even read your background, I talked a lot. Well, four minutes into the show, I haven't shut up. I promise it's going to be more about you. Good morning. I appreciate you. This I, I don't say this lightly. I take this as an honor and a privilege to connect with you. Hopefully one day we meet in person. I'd love to give you a hug when we're allowed to hug people again. But Rob, Sarah, good morning. Welcome to the show. I'll do your bio in a second. How are you doing today, man? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. You're, you're great, man. Absolutely. I'm yeah. glad to have you. So I'm going to read bio stuff a bit, but I don't really love reading a page of notes and stuff because I really want to hear the Rob Sarah story told like Rob Sarah could tell it because somebody was reading Tommy D's bio. I, they're not going to tell the story the way I would tell it. Right. So, so here's, I am going to take a couple pieces here though. Retired FDNY firefighter served on the FDNY special operations command task force and the FEMA USAR NYTF one founding board member of the Ray Pfeiffer foundation, which I think will be the meat of our conversation today. FDNY hockey. I got a lot of things to talk to you about with the hockey man. Cause uh, we'll get there in a second, but Northwood School up in Lake Placid. I've been to Lake Placid. I've been in the winter. Beautiful place. Uh, graduated from Hobart College in 01. We're going to talk some hockey. Rob was raised in and on Staten Island. My sister and her husband are on Staten Island. Um, so uh, I have to get out there and see them soon anyway. Uh, he began firefighting July of 2001. He's going to share some of that. Uh, six weeks out of college. Just came out of college and, and uh, went on the job. And uh, first day really on the job was, was September 11th, but he'll tell us about that. Generations of the family have served the city in a lot of different ways, but he's the fourth member along with his older brother, uh, Andrew, who's serving for the FDNY right now. 
Rob, I'm going to take, I'm going to stop there really, because I want you to, to tell the story, but here's what I'm going to, here's what I'm going to say. What's better for a kid from Staten Island, a hockey kid to go up to where the miracle happened and to go to high school in Lake Placid. I mean, as I'm saying this, I'm getting chills because I was thinking about this this morning again. And I'm like, I don't curse on my show. So I'll say, Holy cow. Like that's tell me, tell me that story. Tell me the Rob Sarah story. Tell me hockey. Uh, let's, let's just start talking. All right. Yeah. Well, I could always talk about hockey. Um, I started playing with it when I was a kid because of that, because of the miracle. Uh, I don't know if you remember the, the movie, not the movie miracle, the movie miracle on ice made for TV. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I watched it on VHS on loop, you know, probably from four to. Now you have kids. I have kids. VHS. They have no clue what we're talking about. Yeah. right now. Man. What's a VCR man. Right. Exactly. We had to keep rewinding it, you know, yep, yep, yep. skip the commercials. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there was no skip button. You had no, to sit man, there. No DVR, man. Phone. None of that. You can't pause, yeah. you know, no skipping and pause. Yep. It's different, man. <laughs> so you watch so, yeah. that movie probably till it didn't work anymore, right? I did. Yeah. You know, Mike Rizzioni was, was my hero as a kid, you know, five foot nine Italian kid with a funny accent, you know, uh, scored the biggest goal in, in our country's history. So it was, yeah. you know, and I awesome. got to meet him. I got to meet him when I was about 10 years old. He couldn't believe I knew who he was uh, in Lake Placid, ironically. What were you doing up there then at 10 years old? I was uh, playing in a tournament in one of the yeah. Can-Am tournaments up there, which is how I ended up going to school there. Uh, when I was 14, I was up there for a tournament and I'd been looking at prep schools. Uh, you know, if you play hockey, you know, prep school is probably. That's the way to go. Best, it's the way to go unless you want to move to Canada and play juniors. But uh Lake Placid was far enough. Um, yeah, so I was up there. I went and interviewed uh, at the school, and and I got accepted in the interview. And you know, my parents were cool. They 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 gave me enough financial aid to be able to do it. And uh, yeah, so I spent three years in Lake Placid, and it was awesome. Um, you know, I, I I highly recommend going there if you haven't been there. Um, yeah, I I've been there in the winter. You know, I used to work with the company big payroll operation ADP and they used to send us out there on these incentive trips in the winter. We stayed at this place. Um, I probably could never stay there on my own because the company was paying for it. Uh, it's called the mirror Lake Inn, and it was yeah. a real like, kind of swanky spot. And, you know, the lake was frozen when we'd be up there in, in the winter and it was a special, special part of the world. Yeah. I actually got a friend of mine in the neighborhood here who's, uh, who's from up that part of, of New York, but such, such beautiful parts of this state that we don't even realize being from Long Island, Staten Island, we don't see it all, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, so tell me, you know, did you see yourself in the NHL one day? Was that, was that where you saw yourself going? No, I, you know, I, I mean, I knew I wasn't on that level. They were, there were kids that I played with there that were on that level. Um, My goal was always just to play in college and maybe play in Europe, you know, for, for a few years and, you know, get some life experience. Uh, that was my goal. Um, you know, I didn't think I'd make it to the NHL, but I didn't really care. I just wanted to keep playing. You and, like you playing. Know, right. You hear all these stories of kids going to play in France or England or Germany and, you know, they put you up a place to live. You give you a car like that would have been cool, you know? Yeah. So that was, that, that, that's what I was looking to do. Um, didn't work out, but. <laughs> yeah. 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 Hey, twists and turns, man. Right. Twists and yeah. turns. So, yeah. so I, I want to talk to you. I, I, as I say, I have some family members and, and certainly some close friends of mine who, who are firemen. And um, I always remember, you know, guys would, and I think this is probably similar to the hockey. I watched some of the other interviews you've done and, you know, you talk about relationships with, with the FD and then also on the hockey team and that even that was another level, right? Cause now you're on, on the fire department hockey team and it was even more camaraderie. But I remember guys would say, yeah, I'm going to a guy in my house, you know, he just bought a home out on Long Island. So we're all going out there to paint. We're all going out there to do, you know, sheetrock. And that, you know, I've worked in a lot of companies and a lot of sales teams, but nobody ever came over and did that for me. Like guys that I worked with, I hung out with these guys in my drinking days, drank with these guys, partied with these guys, whatever. But it wasn't like, you know, 11, 12 guys didn't show up to, to hang sheetrock. So it's, and that's just an example. I mean, I know, um, you know, when you guys have meal, when you're in the house and you have the meal and you go out on a truck and the shop and somebody cooks, I was always, I guess, I don't know if it's envious, but I always thought that was really fun. That seemed like a, just that, that camaraderie. So can you talk a little bit about that? Because I think it's so critical to, to the story of, of the fire department and, and I'm sure the story of the Ray Pfeiffer Foundation. So can you talk about that, the allure of that, the connection with the guys? Yeah, sure. I mean, uh, I grew up with that. My, my grandfather was a fireman and he built his own house. 
basically like you just said with with, uh, with the guys from his company you know they, they literally built this house from the ground up um you know that's awesome you know you, you're right you don't really see that much anymore uh you know sometimes paying for the pizza and beer might get a little more expensive than actually paying them but you know, <laughs> but it's a but, good time though too yeah, having them there right yeah 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 but but you know that that for me you know i i didn't grow up wanting to be a fireman i wanted to be a hockey player you know right. or I, I wanted to go to law school which which was uh my initial goal um so I decided to give it a chance. You know, I, I took the test when I was in college and did well. Uh, I was an English major. So I had, uh, I was only unemployed for six weeks for an English major. That's pretty good. You know, um, <laughs> no kidding. So, I, you know, I, I decided to give the fire department a chance and I figured I'd, I, you know, you know, everyone tells the story. They grew up playing with fire trucks. They wanted to, you know, like my brother was like that. Um, yeah. He got on before me, but I really, I, you know, I was a, a bit of a uh, wandering soul, you know, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. Sure. So I decided to give it a chance. And, and, you know, as soon as I got in the Academy, I found what you're saying, you know, the camaraderie and, the, you know, and I was 21 with a shaved head. I must've looked like I was 15. So you could imagine what they put me through, but uh, you know, it was all in good fun. And then, you know, my first day I got out and, and it was nine 11. So after that, for me, there was no turning back. And then, I mean, you really saw it. You saw the brotherhood after after nine eleven. I mean, I I don't really know what it was like before, but right. you know, like you're saying, everyone there for each other. You know, my brother was a, a liaison for a member of his company who passed away, and just all the stuff that he did just for their for for uh, his name was Christian Regenhart for his mother and for the family and all the planning and it's just you know to see someone doing that because they want to, you know, because they have to, not because uh, they're getting paid. Right. Um, you know, that's, that's a great example to set, you know, and I'm fortunate I had that I had an older brother uh, to guide me at that age. But, but yeah, I mean, my goal was to, to be a fireman for five years and, and see how it worked out. But after the first few months, I knew that I wasn't going anywhere. You, you were in. Yeah. I knew. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, you know, I have a couple of friends who were, who were cops and went over to the FD because of the allure of, of being on that job. So, yeah, so very special. We're, gang, we're going to take a quick break. This is how quick the show goes. Rob and I will be back. Rob, when we come back, you know, let's let's touch upon really some of the advocacy stuff that, that started to happen. Kind of I want to know the challenges that that men and women first responders have been dealing with. Um, just so so because I, you know. Thank you, by the way, Lori Berlin, for putting this together. Um, Lori did a hashtag this morning on a couple of posts I put on social media, and she said, never forget. And I remember we used to say that all the time. And I, I don't want to set it up, but I'll just say it. Do we still, do we still treat things that way? Because I'm worried that we have forgotten. So I want you to tell me what, 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 do, what is going on? What was the, the catalyst of the Ray Pfeiffer, we can your foundation. We could dive into you know the history, of the advocacy, and stuff like that. But gang, we're we're here. It, it's it's uh, about two weeks, three weeks out from from the twentieth anniversary of, of that Tuesday, uh, September 11, and uh, two thousand one. And Rob Sarah, founding board member of the Ray Pfeiffer Foundation, is here with me in the attic. Rob, uh, you and I'll be back in just about a minute and a half. See you guys soon. Thank you. Have you ever thought of reinventing yourself? Are you looking to create a new life's journey? Hi, I'm Kevin Barbaro, host of Coffee Talk XL every Tuesday night, 5, 8 p.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live to hear me and my guests from a variety of different backgrounds. As a former college coach and a current full-time actor and owner of multiple companies, my show is as eclectic as my life. That's Coffee Talk XL every Tuesday night, 8 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you interested in having a better relationship with yourself, others, and God? Greetings. I'm your host, Dr. George Andow, for the show, A Journey Through Into Awareness. On my show, we journey into the awareness that the mind of God is the true seat of our personal consciousness. We join together each Monday at 7 p.m., so tune in on Talk Radio NYC. Are you a conscious co-creator? 
Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Nonprofits need connections to move in good directions. So cut through all the static. Join Tommy in his attic. The whole thing about being in the attic. You ever make it out here to Long Island? You can. I don't invite a lot of people literally into my attic, but you can come up to the attic if you'd like to. Um, I'm kind of in an attic myself here in this. uh, Are you vacation house? Yeah. I saw that might have to be a requirement. I might have to make everybody be in an attic (laughs) when we do the show. (laughs) Wi-Fi is not bad enough. Let's make everybody be inside of an attic to try and figure out the tech (laughs) issues. Um, you know, that's my friend Brendan Levy from the Queen's Chamber of Commerce who, who wrote that little ditty for me. Uh, they got a band. They, they used to be called The Goods back in the day when in the 90s when they were young guys. So they were The Goods. Now they call themselves Damaged Goods because they're older guys. So, <laughs> so they, Brendan hooked that up for me. Um, in fact, we should talk about maybe uh, making a connection to the Queen's Chamber for the Ray Pfeiffer Foundation. Uh, what I've been doing each month is I buy a, uh, an annual membership for a nonprofit organization. If you guys be interested, I'd love to do that in October and make you guys a member of the Queen's Chamber. You know, the membership is one thing. It's about, it's about the connections and accessing. Um, Brendan's a good friend, but my buddy Tom Bresch, who's the CEO over there at the Chamber, is uh, pretty connected and, um, and uh, a great advocate on behalf of uh, both the, the PD and the FD. So uh, we can make that connection. But yeah, the attic, the whole thing, I have a lot of fun with that. Let's let's get back into the conversation, Rob. I mean, we talked hockey. We talked about growing up and and the camaraderie of the job. And I, I just brought this up. Maybe this is uh, maybe this is a touchy one, but never forget. Um, I, I, I I've been thinking about this conversation for the last two days, and and the never forget thing popped up for me again this morning. Like I said, and I'm one I'm. Have we forgotten when you when you think about what what you've been through and we can share, please share as much as your story as you feel comfortable sharing your own you know health issues and and your journey on the job. But um, has has Congress until you guys were down there doing all the work, John Stewart and John Feel and all these guys. I mean, talk to me a little bit about that, about the never forget. Um, I, I'd, I'd say, yeah, we forgot. Uh, for the most part, uh, I mean, as a, I mean, in the New York area, you know, we still feel it. We still feel the support, but nationally in Congress, certainly uh, they forgot a long time ago. Yeah. Um, a little bit of my medical history. I, I got sick on 9-11. I, that's where my health problem started. Uh, I got a bloody nose while I was there, bled till I passed out uh, and bled every day for a couple of years. And that was the start of of my issues. Um, so I knew something was wrong right away. Uh, as did a lot of other people as did the FDNY, uh, who prescribed every member an inhaler without even seeing a doctor. So they knew something was, um, you know, everyone knows the air is safe to breathe history with, with Christy Whitman and Ruby Giuliani and, you know, right. Anybody else who was in charge of, of, uh, our safety told us the air was safe to breathe, even though, even and again, not to get it, get angry about it, but how could it be? How could it be? I mean, uh, common sense would tell you, you know, 4,400 tons of asbestos alone in those buildings is enough to kill someone. Then you're adding 150 other toxins, uh, you know. So, and it, it, it's been a long road, you know. We, we had members who started getting sick right away, like seriously ill, cancers and and heart attacks and, and stuff like that. And people were dying and people were, were going through cancer treatments and, and having to put the house up for sale to pay for it because nobody was recognizing it as line of duty. And even if you have health insurance, which, which 
fortunately in the FDNY, we have good health insurance, but there were other people who were down there who may have been volunteers. Uh, people came from all 50 states, you know, as we used to say in Washington, we had, we had, we have a person from 434 out of 435 congressional districts in the World Trade Center that, Health Program. That came, that came like when, when everybody was coming in from out of state, they'd be coming in with trucks and whatnot. You talk about those kind of folks, right? Right. Whether it's, whether it was officially sent by the government, you know, FEMA teams or, or fire departments or whatever, or just volunteers, nurses, doctors, uh, iron workers, construct, anybody who helped people came here from li- just about every congressional district is represented in our program. So people were getting sick, you know, and then, and, and, and a group of people started going down to Washington, uh, you know, in the, in the late two thousands, trying to get something done, you know, um, and Congress did what Congress does. And they gave us a, a you know, a five year temporary bill, um, which, which uh, was around 09, 2010. Um, and that bill was basically to see if the program was necessary, how it would function financially, if there was going to be any fraud, which is, you know, of course, that's the government's biggest concern, uh, not the people dying. Um, I can get into that later on, which yeah. is frank discussions I had with some members. Um, so essentially, we had five years to prove that that people were getting sick, people were dying, and a lot of stuff still wasn't included in that bill. There were a lot of cancers still not included. A lot of my own personal friends had cancers that weren't on that bill, and they had to seriously think about their future. You know, is my son going to go to college? Am I going to have to sell my house just to pay you know ten thousand, thirty thousand dollars a month uh, for medications and cancer treatments? You know, so when that bill it actually ended up expiring in 2015. Um, but when it was set to expire, that's when, when uh, I got involved. Uh, I retired from the FDNY in 2012 with 9-11 illnesses. Um, so soon after that, I started getting involved myself just on social media, yeah. kind of what you were saying before about just seeing something needed to get done and just not being complacent. And, and, you, just, and you just got involved. You said, I just you, got involved you, on my own. I didn't know anybody. I just started going on social media and writing my rants and people started taking to it, you know? Um, And I ended up meeting Ray Pfeiffer uh, at a press conference and, you know, tell me about Ray. Tell me about Ray. I wrote that in my notes. I want to tell me the story. Yeah. He's he's really the one who brought me in and and got me, uh, you know, seriously involved. Um, if, If you knew Ray, this story wouldn't surprise you. The first day I met him, I walked up to him. He was sitting in his wheelchair and he stood up and he shook my hand and he said, Hey Rob, you know, nice to meet you. I'm Ray. You know, you're doing great work. And I was, I took a step back. I said, I didn't even know you knew who I was, you know? And, uh, we, we connected right, right then and there. Um, and that's when I got involved and started going to Washington with them. Um, but Ray was just, you know, he, he had stage four cancer for eight or nine years, uh, lungs, brain, it was all over his body. He had, Dozens of surgeries. He had metal rods everywhere. He, he was in constant pain, but he always had a smile on his face. And if you'd say, Ray, how you doing? He'd say, I got cancer. You know, I'm dying. How do you think I'm doing? You know, it, he always had a joke. He always made, he was always comforting the person asking him how he felt rather than them com- comforting him. worrying about himself. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's kind of, you know, how he became the, the, the face and the poster boy is that he just had that personality. You know, he cared more about everybody else than he did himself, which is, what got him sick in the first place, you know, going, going to the pile for nine months to, to search for his friends, you know, at, at that point, we all knew that, that it wasn't going to end well being down there for so long, but he didn't care. Um, and that's why when he was by 2015, you know, he was, he was in decline. He was in the wheelchair full time and he, you know, he still went down there in pain and, and made his trips and spoke to the members of you've probably seen the clip of, of John Stewart shaming people in the hallway with Ray next to him in his wheelchair. But what you don't see is after the camera shut off, Ray chasing down the senators and, and apologizing for, for John and, and for, you know, for putting him on the spot and not trying to be rude and, and, wow. and just saying, you know, I'm just here. We're just here because we're dying and we need help. And he was, he was genuine. And I think even the senators who, who don't often show that they have a heart hmm. saw it, you know, he just, he had that, that sort of uh, magnetism about him that he just, he was genuine. He, he genuinely cared about people. You know, his, his, our motto 
is, is a quote from Ray, do the right thing even when no one is looking. Yep. And I think all those little things that happened off camera, to me, that defines who Ray was, you know. Uh, personally, a, a quick Ray story. I had just had my first spinal surgery in 2015, right before we went down there. And, and those are long, grueling days lobbying in Washington. You, you're walking seven to eight miles a day, telling your 9-11 story dozens of times. You know, it's emotionally draining physically. For me, you know, I just couldn't walk anymore. My feet were numb. And I was leaning up against the wall. And I, I, I must have had that look on my face, you know, that I was done. And up rolls Ray in his wheelchair, rolls over my foot, which he, he lets out his little chuckle. And then he just stood up and he looked at me and he said, sit down. And I was like, Ray, I'm not sitting in your wheelchair. He's like, well, I'm not asking you. And he stood up and he made me sit down for like 15 minutes and take a break. Because even though he had rods in his legs and he could barely stand, but that was him. That, for me, that, that defined Ray. It was more about you know, other people being okay and, and being taken care of. So we got that bill passed in 2015, but again, Congress does what Congress does. And they only gave us, they gave us 75 years on the healthcare, which is great, but they only gave us five years on the, on the VCF, the, the compensation portion of the bill, um, which is kind of how the Ray Pfeiffer Foundation got created. Uh, you know, let's, Ray ended let, up. Let's take one quick break right there. Sure. We're gonna go back in a second, but I, I want to, do a little tease, make sure we bring our gang back to listen in. But you're down there, you're lobbying, you get kind of, this is, I think this is, I don't know enough about the politics of it all, but it's backroom deals, not with you guys involved, with them down there involved, like who's shifting this? Well, I'd give you that if you take this. If I, so you get a little bit, but you don't get everything you need. So it means you got to go back down there and continue the fight. So we're going to be back in just about one or two minutes. Rob Sarah, founding board member, um, 9-11, first responder, FDNY, retired FDNY, and, and big Rangers fan, right? I was going to joke with you. I was going to say big Islanders fan just to give you the business, but <laughs> big, big fan of the blue shirts. We'll be right back, gang. Stay with us. Thanks, Rob. Do you feel uninformed about menopause and how it impacts on your life? Hi, I'm Pat Duckworth, women's health strategist and host of the Hot Women Rock radio show, empowering women leaders at menopause. Join me every Thursday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. UK Time on talkradio.nyc for interviews with inspirational women who will share their top tips to rock your world. Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy and Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Do you run or are ready to open your own business? Hi, I'm Jeremiah Fox. I've been operating and opening small business for the last 25 years, and I'm the host of the new show, The Entrepreneurial Web. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern time for insights and stories on the nuances of running small business right here on Fridays at noon, talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Nonprofits need connections to move in good directions. So cut through all the static. Join Tommy in his attic. question no i'd like you to do it not for me it's not about me it's about amplifying the message for nonprofit organizations and i do it each and every week on friday morning i want to read you something 
It was just brought up in our last segment when Rob, Sarah, and I were talking, but I'm going to read it again. Do the right thing, even when no one is looking. Those are the words of Ray Pfeiffer. He was on the FDNY since 1987. And on the morning of September 11, 2001, he was, he was not working. He was actually playing golf, which will lead into what I'm going to do my call to action later on because there's a golf outing that Rob and I will talk about shortly. He went to his firehouse, engine 40, ladder 35, grabbed his gear and spent the next eight, nine months searching and digging at what we all know is now Ground Zero. All 11 members of his Manhattan firehouse who responded to the call were killed that day. And as Rob Sir just shared with me, Ray was diagnosed with stage four kidney cancer, resulting from the work he did down at the World Trade Center site. But that's not where it stops. He, he was sick. He was in bad shape. He was hurting. But he dug down. And Rob and I were kind of chatting in the chat here and, and said he could talk about Ray all day. So sounds like an incredible man. And he kept finding more. It's hard, right, Rob? It's the heart. He found more heart to go do this for other people. For, for the brothers and sisters and, and, and the FD and, and really anybody who, who was involved, right? He's down there advocating. And and I, I, I've seen in other articles and other interviews, they refer to him as Rob Serra's mentor. Talk to me about that. I, I, I love the mentor-mentee relationship and how it is to really help each other. Um, I, not to get mushy and emotional, but talk to me more about your friend. Yeah, I mean... I... I wish there was a better word than mentor, but I guess that's what he was for me. Um, yeah, I was in rough shape when I first met him, you know, my, my surgeries and, and I was at a pretty low point in my life. And there was Ray who was dying. And uh, even when he was in hospice, he was taking the time to message me um, and talk to me and encourage me and tell me to keep fighting. And, you know, and I, I, I don't know. I, I think if, if I didn't have Ray at that point in my life, I don't know. I, I don't know if I would be here. I don't know if I would have ended up, you know, doing the things that I, that I've done in the last five years um, without his example, you know, it's one thing to send a text and encourage someone, but he actually went out and did it, you know, like for me, that, that says everything, you know, he would essentially leave his deathbed to go do something that he knew needed to be done to bring attention to, to what's happening, you know? Um, and for me, and I, and, and we never overtly discussed it, but I think he wanted to make sure that the fight would continue, uh, when he was gone. And I think he tried to, and, you know, equip me with, with, with the ability and the knowledge and, and I guess his tact, um, even though I'm not quite, uh, I'm not quite as graceful about about the uh, you know exactly. dealing with members of Congress as Ray was. I'm a bit more abrasive in my tactics. You're, you're not but, apologizing uh, in the hallway afterwards. No, no, they weren't getting any apologies out of me. But <laughs> but it was the fight and the, and the spirit and the, and the you know and the need basically to make sure that that people were taken care of. And I think that's that's what gets lost i think when we discuss like you were saying never forget and 9-11 is people automatically think about the cops and firefighters right that's where we've become the symbol of 9-11 everything you see you'll see a cop and a fireman with the trade center in the background or something but people forget that a lot of the people that are in this program were just regular people you know they were mcdonald's workers construction workers uh office workers um 19,000 school students Students, you know, kids, students, kids, kids, kids from four years old to 16 were sent to schools because that- because now I'm going to get pissed, Rob. OK, I don't curse on the show, but now I'm doing it because they, they were told it was OK to go back down there and they were sent to school. You know, Stuyvesant opened up, uh, you know, a week later and they were eating food in those classrooms. They were a block away, you know, a couple blocks from the collapse. Those kids are sick They're you know, and and that's a whole nother can of worms, because how are these kids getting graduating college? And getting health insurance when they have all these underlying conditions from from ground zero, and that's where the compensation part uh, is huge. Because I'm I'm fortunate, you know, I got sick, yes, but I worked for the FDNY. I get my pension. I still get my health care. But there are hundreds of thousands of people who who were volunteers or or just school students or or anyone else who was there who who don't have that luxury. Um, so are they when you 
in 2019, when you're down there, I've seen the photographs, you're right near uh, President Trump. And as I understand um, from another interview, I watched that Ray's family was down there with you signing it in 2019. And again, never forget, huh? it's right in the title here, but never forget the heroes, the Droga, Pfeiffer, Alvarez, permanent authorization for the VCF, the Victims Compens- uh, Compensation Act. So is that now all encompassing? Like, the legacy, Ray's legacy, the legacy of all those we've lost already and those who are sick. Do you, are, are we happy? I don't know about happy. Are you content? The, is the box checked to protect these people now? Uh, unfortunately not. There, there, there's legislation now because the health program is underfunded. So now they, they're going back for more legislation to get more funds to, to fund the healthcare program. Um, you know, which is part of my issue. This all should have been taken care of in one bill 15 years ago. The, the, the fact that they made people like Ray and Lou Alvarez and all the other heroes yep. go down there and spend their dying days fighting for health care 15 years later, after the EPA, Christy Whitman, acknowledged the fact that they misinformed the public, um, is a shame, yep. you know? And, and, and the fact that it's still open-ended, the fact that, that it's not... They, they called it permanent legislation, but why are we still going down looking for more funds? Because they want, you know, the old saying in Washington is never let a good crisis go uh, unused. Well, you're talking about the ultimate crisis, right? They, let, let's every few years, let's let's bring up some more 9-11 legislation and and throw it into a bill like the 2015 omnibus bill, which was a disaster. But that's where they stuck our bill in because Mitch McConnell wanted a, an amendment that we could sell United States oil. Uh, overseas. That that was what they traded. They traded Ray's life and my life uh, so Mitch McConnell's friends can sell oil. I, I, I didn't plan on getting political, but that's what they did. You could, you know, you can it's, Google it. It's, it's there. out there. It's, it's out there. You're just that's, telling that's, that's not my opinion. That's a fact. Right. right. And in right. 2019, that's why for me, it was, it was incredibly important to get a, an up and down bill, standalone, with none of the pork and none of the other... Yeah. Bullshit. Sorry, you cursed first. No, it's all good. It's fine. Um, <laughs> now we, because, we broke the seal now, man. Now here it comes. Right. Because, well, that's also why, you know, that, that's how, how members got away with voting no. They're like, why? Well, I, I supported the 9-11 bill, but it was attached to this. No, I didn't, it was this other stuff that. that was in there I didn't want. Right. So I, I like this part, but I don't like that part. Right. So, so then it gets voted down. And, and and right or wrong, it makes it makes certain members look bad, even if they didn't intend to, you know. So it... Anyway, we needed this bill to go through by itself, which it did. Um, so the, the VCF, as far as I know, is it, they, they're not having funding issues as of as of now. But from what I hear, the the, the healthcare portion is. So this is going to have to be a. This is always. I, I don't know always, but for for this is going to be a continuous effort. It sounds like you you know, um, and, and uh, you know, not to say I know very much about the process and what you, you all have gone through, but I know you've had some some great leadership and, and obviously John Stewart, you know, with his using his um, gravitas, his his name, leveraging him and having him be a part of what you're doing is probably helpful. But I read something or I watched something the other day with you and and it shouldn't have had to be that. You know, it's great. John Stewart seems like a great man. And that's awesome that he's involved. And that's really helpful that he's using his name to help out him. And it's, I'm sure it's not just his name. I've seen him crying in front of Congress. So I know it's mm-hmm. not just that. But that is BS that this has to happen. But it sounds like, unfortunately, that it's going to is going to continue to be the need. And that's let's let's go to a, a kind of a bit about the foundation, because that's what you're doing. Aside from the advocacy work, the foundation is is serving these families. And and, you know, knowing what it's like to have um someone with special needs in your family, knowing what it's like to have someone with health issues. I know these things personally. Um, it's not just about the person who's sick, right? I, I watched you and not, not to say things that you haven't said, I watched you talk about, you know, you know, your wife, your children, the family, your, your family, other families are affected by this. So what are some of the things that, that the, the foundation is doing and what are some of the things that the foundation needs? Um, well, the same thing most foundations need. We need financial support. We need support. money. We need money. I, I, uh, we need I money. know that. Uh, I know that. <laughs> they, 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 and I'm glad you brought that up. I, I think something that gets overlooked is 
is the toll that that these illnesses take on the families. You know, I mean, my family is is as extra uh, because my wife lost her father on 9-11. So um, for my family, I mean, 9-11 is affects us every day, whether it's for me, my, you know, my health or my wife's health, whatever. Um, you know, there's an emotional toll there. My kids were young. They, they are young. But they don't know why daddy has to sit in a chair all day. They don't fully understand why I can't, you know, go out and, and play catch with them and, and all those. So for me, the toll on my family is, is more, uh, is, is more emotional, you know, um, than it is the physical aspects like other people with physically having to get someone out of bed or, you know, into their house, something as simple as up three steps into their house, you know? Um, so, so we, we do, we do the best we can to help the individual, but we also do whatever we can to help the families. You know, we build, uh, wheelchair ramps into their houses. We give, we get them hospital beds that can lift them up out of the bed on their own. Um, we try to give people a quality of life. You know, these are things that aren't covered under the health program. Um, wheelchairs, portable oxygen tanks. It sounds sim- simple, right? But, but the program will give you a, a tank this big. Uh, you know, you're going to go to your kid's little league game with a giant right, oxygen right, tank. Right, no. Not, so we'll buy them this small little backpack that they can go not, out. And- that's not practical, right? right? Okay. This is what you get your covered for, but all right. So this is like, how do I go and live? You know, not how do I sit in front of the TV? Right. How do I, how can I, right. Okay. How can I still be, you know, part of my family? And then there's, then there's the, the really expensive things like, like uh, cancer treatments, you know, anything that's considered experimental uh, isn't going to be covered by the program. And if you go to Sloan, I mean, that's what they're doing. They're, they're always looking for new methods. And so if you're, if you're a, you know, 50 year old man and you go to Sloan and they say, this is, we think this is your best chance of survival, but it's going to cost you twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000. You got to make that decision. Am I going to take, you know, is that my daughter's college funds? Is it whatever? And, and we feel that they shouldn't have to pay for that. They shouldn't have to make the choice to whether to stay alive or, or secure the, their family's future. So we, you know, that's what we do. We help them pay for those treatments or, or, or whatever, or, or, put their family up in the hotel so they can be close by to them. You know, any, any yeah. of the little things we could do to make that make their fight easier is what we do, because that's what Ray essentially did. You know, he went down there and he fought to make, so we can get this healthcare program and the compensation. So other people's lives wouldn't be as tough as his, right. Even though he would never say that he had a tough life. Right. Uh, but he had a tough fight and his fight was made easier by the, by the brotherhood, as he would say, and by his, the love of his family. So, you know, those were actually his last words to me because I, I, I was I was in a bad way. I just found out I had to have another spinal surgery and I didn't want to do it. And I was I essentially gave up. My phone rang for three days. I didn't answer it. And then it rang and it was Ray. And I said, Ray. You know, I'm crying and he's in hospice. And I said, Ray, how do you do? How are you still fighting? How are you still calling people? You know, what what is your secret? Because I I, I got nothing. And he said. I got the brotherhood and the love of my family and that's all I need. And then, you know, that really hit home for me. Like I had my family 20 feet away in my house and I'm outside feeling sorry for myself, you know? So we try to be that we try to be the brotherhood. I mean, or the sisterhood. Um, we try to be the love of, of, of a family for people who might not have it or have it. And their family needs, needs the love also, you know, that's that, that was Ray. And that's what we, that's what we are now. That's what we try to do is, is be uh you know, they call it the ray of hope. We try to sprinkle a little bit of hope uh, into people's lives. Sometimes, the will, you know, people might lose that will to fight and just having somebody care and somebody show up and build a wheelchair ramp on your front lawn might be like, oh, you know, people care, people notice, you yeah. know, and, and, and a lot of times those wheelchair ramps are built by, by firehouses and volunteers, you know, we will buy the supplies, but the guys will show up and build it. Uh, which, which is exactly the way it should be, you know, a couple things. We, we got to take one quick break. And I, I okay. this, this is the thing that drives me crazy about my show, but I, <laughs> I, cause I want this to just be a conversation for you and me for two hours and people like listening in and eavesdropping. But, right, um, right. I want to talk to you more about that wheelchair ramp. I, I want to give a shout out to a couple guys I had on the show about two weeks ago. Uh, Bob Kozlowski of, um, Homes for the Brave out of Connecticut and Lonnie Sherman, who's with an organization out here on Long Island called General Needs. They do so much work in the veteran community. 
Um, and I know a lot of first responders are veterans as well. A lot of FD, a lot of PD guys are, are veterans. Um, and they're doing, they're doing incredible work and project work and boots for veterans and socks and underwear and the basic stuff. And, and just hearing you talk about the work you're doing, I'm doing 60 days of service, man. And it's not, a, it, I'm not doing it for me, but and, and we got to go to a break, but 60 days of service. I want to go out when you're doing this. I want to, I want to shine a light on what you're doing. And I also have a friend down in, in Jersey, um, another organization project refit. I think they would love to get involved with some of the project work. I know we need checks, man. We all need checks. I get that. And I'm not making light of that, but I, I feel philanthropy can happen in a lot of different ways. And we can talk more about that when we come back. We come back, Rob, what I really want to do is what is this, what, how can we help? How can we help the, the dozens or hundreds of thousands of people I hear this? How can they help this organization? I know it's checks, but there's other ways too. So I want to, I know you have a couple of events coming up. Guys, we'll be back. I'm way over on time. Sorry, Kyle. Thank you for your work on the other side of the glass, Kyle. But it's back to you, Kyle. And I'll see you guys in about 90 seconds. Rob, Sarah, and Tommy D. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. Do you love or are you intrigued about New York City and its neighborhoods? I'm Jeff Goodman, host of Rediscovering New York, a weekly show that showcases New York's history and its extraordinary neighborhoods. Every Tuesday live at 7 p.m., we focus on a particular neighborhood and explore its history, its vibe, its feel, and its energy. Tune in live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Nonprofits need connections to move in good directions. So cut through all the static. Join Tommy in his attic. Cut through the static. My son, uh, my younger son called me Mr. Static. They, he's, they all call me Tommy D, Rob, but now he started calling me Mr. Static instead of uh, Tommy D because he wants me to cut through the static. So that's what I want you all to do. Cut through the static. Join me in the attic. Rob, when you get a sec, just come off mute so you jump back in with me. Here's what I want to say. Last night, I'm out of golf. Well, yesterday afternoon, I play uh, nine, nine and net, net and nine, network and nine holes. We played at Rockville Links with my buddy's uh, premier payroll. Um, nice job, Vinny Papalardo and, uh, and Mike D'Onofrio doing a really nice job. But why I bring it up is because two reasons. Friends of Karen is an organization that they were supporting. Most of what we're doing is supporting another organization. Friends of Karen helps families with a child with a life-threatening illness and helps those individual children, uh, those families, with things, they, ancillary things, Rob, similar to what you were talking about. But I bring it up specifically for this reason. I'm telling a couple of buddies of mine who we played in this foursome with, who I know, but we didn't know each other that well. I said, I got this radio show. It's, we turned it into a podcast, the whole thing. And I was telling them how excited I was about today. And they said, that sounds like a great organization. How can we help? And I said, we're still wearing golf clothes. That's, we can go play in their outing. That's one way we can help, right? So sure. let's, start, let's start there. How can we help? And, and talk to me about the outing. I know I've seen things about... Uh, you know, pictures of Ray I guess, with the, the UFA. Is that right? He had done outings with them in the past. Um, 
So talk to me a little bit about this outing. Talk to me about, I know there's another big thing coming up. The, the hockey game is coming up on the ninth. So tell us how we can support that and how we can support the organization. Uh, well, the golf outing is our, is our big event every year. Uh, it's at Lake Success uh, out in Long Island, um, which is where Ray, Ray did run the UFA golf outing uh, with Lori Bruin from our foundation. Um, and you know what? Ray loved doing that. Ray's, Ray's biggest thing every year was the widow and, Widows and Children's Christmas party. Ray was always looking to raise money. Uh, you know, for the UFA or for, for fire department causes. Um, we have sponsorships available. We have foursomes available. Um, you could simply make a donation, uh, you know, on our website. What's the website, um, Rob? What, what we're talking about, we haven't mentioned it yet. It's uh, the RayFifferFoundation.org. Um, another great thing we do is we allow people to sponsor first responders and legacies to play golf. So if you can't make it and you, you want – you know, you want to see uh, somebody whose who's father passed away from a 9-11 illness or, or a member of the FDNY hockey team get to play golf, uh, you know, we, we, we gladly uh, accept sponsorships for golfers. And I got to say, the celebrities that come and play golf with us usually enjoy playing with the, with the uh, firefighters and police officers more than the firefighters enjoy playing with them. You know, they get a big <laughs> out of it. You know? I bet. I'm sure. Um, so yeah, there's, you go to our website and go to the golf classic, uh, tab and you, you know, there's, there's, there's plenty of ways you could support that. Um, and as you mentioned, the hockey game, uh, which is scheduled for September 9th at Madison square garden, uh, our foundation is a, you know, a big part of it, a uh, big part of the planning and, and the sponsorship. And I have to say the FDNY hockey team has supported us from day one. Um, you know, I was on the team for six years, um, and, you know, like you were saying earlier about the brotherhood, you know, anything I need, I've just put a message on that group meet, whether it's a ride somewhere or, or somebody to come uh, move something for me or paint something for me. And I get a response in 10 minutes. You know, those guys are, are great. And and so, you know, we, we do our best to support them, but they really they, they really support us. And that game is it should be amazing. You know, it's the 20th anniversary of 9-11 and most people remember it. Uh, the image of Mark Messier wearing Larry McGee's helmet with the picture of Chief Downey on it. Um, it's kind of one of the lasting images of 9-11. Um, so we thought no better place than Madison Square Garden uh, the week of 9-11 to, to awesome. commemorate. Um, Is that a sold out crowd already? Or they it, it was, we're, we're, we're still working out the details, but we're honoring the tickets that were sold. Um, for last year? For last year. Um, but obviously there's different protocols now with, with COVID and vaccination. So we're still working out the kinks in that. Uh, hopefully we'll have an answer on that. Is there, aside from showing up at the game, is there sponsorship opportunities people would want to get involved with for the, for the foundation? Yes. Yeah. yes, there are sponsorship opportunities. Um, you know, the NYPD and FDNY hockey teams are 501 3C charities themselves. They raise a lot of money for widows and children's, the Ray Pfeiffer Foundation. And, um, you know, I just want to add, I don't know if I touched on this, but the Ray Pfeiffer Foundation isn't just for firefighters or FDMY. We cover all first responders um, from any agency. Uh, as long as you're enrolled in the World Trade Center Health Program as a first responder, uh, you're eligible to get help from us, um, which is another way people can help us is just by spreading our word to people who need the help. You know, um, yes, we need the money, but we also, you know, we want people to know that we're here to help. We want to help as many people as we can, no matter what state you live in. If you're in the program, you know someone who's sick, go to our website. You can apply right on the website. So um, if I can interrupt you one sec, Rob. So share this out, folks. If you're listening to us and you're hearing this story, share this. Share this about the organization. But it's not just, hey, we need more money to help our programs. I, I think there's a parallel to veterans. I think sometimes there's got to be these veterans organizations at times are challenged to find the veterans. So it almost sounds like it's a similar situation here. Yeah. And, and a big part of the problem is, is we're trying to help the helpers. Right. And who's the last person to ask for help? Of course. Of course. You know, and, and I think that's, you know, a lot of times they're waiting till it's too late. Um, so our big angle is if you don't want to take the help for yourself, take it for your family. People always, they always say the big answer we get is there's someone who needs it more than me. And my answer is, is what Ray's answer would be. No, there's not. We, we're, 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 that's who they are. Right. They wouldn't be in these service roles if that wasn't who they are, right? Exactly. You know, so 
you know, that, that's what we try to, to tell them. If you don't want to take the help for yourself, take it for your family. So your wife doesn't have to lift you out of bed every day or, or whatever. So you can go to your kids' little league game or, or whatever it may be. Um, so getting the word out there that we're here to help and actually getting people to, you know, accept the help uh, no. would be a big help. <laughs> so let's help everybody. Rob, listen, this, I, I got to bring the show to a close. I, I appreciate you carving out and investing this time with me on, I know it's family time. I know it's family week, but I, I appreciate you making the effort to be here with me today because it's an important story to be told. And I have some reach and I can tell people the story with, with your help. So thanks for being here. I really appreciate you. One last thing before I close the show, I want to say do the right thing. Even when no one is looking, that's your friend. And, and uh, my uncle Joe said he knew Ray as well. Um, I'm just sorry I didn't meet Ray, but I like to hear the stories you're telling about him. And, and I love that you're living his legacy. And, and uh, he, he's proud of the work you're doing and the organization is doing. So thank you for that. Um, Rob, I hope to meet you in person at some point soon. Maybe I can get my kids out to that, uh, that hockey game. I'm assuming you'll be there on the ninth as well, right? Yeah, I'll be there. All right, cool. I'll see if I can work that out with my crew. Yeah. Um, all right, listen, gang, this is it. Every week we amplify the message for nonprofits. The show is called Philanthropy and Focus. You can follow me on TikTok, follow me on the Instagram, tommyd.nyc. You just want to reach out to me by email, tommyd.philanthropyandfocus.com. And why would you reach out to me? Well, maybe you want me to come out and help out and do a day's service and, and tell the story about your organization in real time. Maybe you want to come on the show. Maybe you know an organization that would value this. Stay tuned on talkradio.nyc for my buddy Steve Fry, always Friday. Jeremiah Fox on the entrepreneurial web. I will be back here next week. John Winkle, of the, he's the CEO of the Stanford Partnership out of Connecticut, will be here with me in the attic. And uh, listen, I, I tell everybody every week, make it a great day, make it a great week. And Rob, sir, I appreciate you, man. I look forward to meeting you soon again in real life. Yeah, you got it. You too, man. Thanks for having Thanks, me. Brother. Take it easy, man. I'll yeah. see you soon. Bye. Nonprofits need connections to move in good directions. So cut through all the static. Join Tommy in his attic. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Did you know that nearly one in five adults in the U.S. battles mental illness? Hi, my name is Albert Dabba. I'm the host of the show Extra Inning. Extra Innings, I discuss the topics of wellness, mental health, and the experience of surviving multiple suicides within my family. Listen live every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern to Extra Innings for discussions with sports figures, artists, mental health professionals, and many others. That's Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be frank about health to advocate for all of us. Do you love or are you intrigued about New York City and its neighborhoods? I'm Jeff Goodman, host of Rediscovering New York, a weekly show that showcases New York's history and its extraordinary neighborhoods. Every Tuesday live at 7 p.m., we focus on a particular neighborhood and explore its history, its vibe, its feel, and its energy. Tune in live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. Passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Have you ever thought of reinventing yourself? Are you looking to create a new life's journey? Hi, I'm Kevin Barbaro, host of Coffee Talk XL every Tuesday night, 5, 8 p.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live to hear me and my guests from a variety of different backgrounds. 
As a former college coach and a current full-time actor and owner of multiple companies, my show is as eclectic as my life. That's Coffee Talk XL every Tuesday night, 8 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. 